and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome you to the Ricky Wayne Show. I'd like you to give a warm welcome to your host, T. Wayne. Make a man out of all y'all, money making, respected representative of this culture. Before it's over, ain't no sense in you being here, kinda. Fuck that shit. That's the best way to do it to make to make the artists go harder than what they really supposed to. Keep them on their toes. That's what coaches do. You know, I congratulate you for, for good work. I pat you on the back, but you don't get no credit for what you're supposed to do. <laughs> you're a producer. You're supposed to make good beats. You don't get no credit for that. You get credit when you make me a great beat, an outstanding beat, a once-in-a-century beat. Then I give you some time for that. But just making a, a beat, you're a producer. That's what the fuck you do. I'm a rapper. I, I, write, I write rhymes. I say rhymes. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. it don't mean shit to be a rapper if I'm not writing and saying great rhymes. You just, you just a motherfucker that rap. So motherfuckers, that's that's coming out like I made a good song. I keep on making good songs. You supposed to do that. You, you're supposed to be. You know, if you're a running back, right? And you come home, be like, hey, I got 65 yards and and uh, you know and a touchdown. That's good. That's good. You know what I'm saying? But I I I see you. I know how hard you can train. I know how fast you can run. You really should have had about 100 yards and two touchdowns. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So maybe you're not. Maybe you're not hitting that gap. Maybe you're not splitting that seam right. Maybe you're not catching that corner. Maybe, you know, maybe we need to work on some on some footwork for you. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But no, we never accept never accept good. You know, because good is average, and I'm never going to accept average from somebody I know that's above average. So we just got to figure it out what it is mentally or physically or emotionally that's holding you back. Get you over that, because on the other side of whatever it is, you scared of of getting out of this or seeing in yourself is everything you want in life. And all that shit's on the other side of fear. It's too many people that's, that's afraid to really go and get it. Even sometimes myself, I'd be like, I do stuff, but I don't do it at full potential. And I, I'd be like, that's cool. Like I, like I, I let it slide cause I got it done, but I know I'm not doing it to the best of my abilities. Here's the thing. When, when you're just you, Right when just you, just T Wayne, just Ricky, right? You can be reckless. You can afford to be reckless because the only person responsible for your actions is you. So you're more willing to take a chance. You're more willing to jump off the porch. More willing to you know jump off the window. You know whatever it is mm-hmm. to, to go that extra step because if it don't work, then it really just reflects on you. But you got people responsible for you now. You got a family at home. You got employees in this motherfucking studio. You got people responsible for you. So for you. The the smartest bet is the safest bet. But if you know you got cushion and you got a window, right? Okay, well, I can't really fuck off all of this. I can take three months and just mash this shit out. I can take X amount of dollars and just grind this shit out right quick and see if it works. See if I get something back on it. And if it don't, well, you tried it. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, you can't bet the rent money. Like, bills got to be paid. Folks got to be fed and shit like that. That's got to be done. But again, if you got some cushion and you got some time, you got to go for it. You got to go for it. Because if you don't, you're going to look up and realize you spent money on some shit that maybe you got temporary use out of a one-time use. You're not going to wear these clothes twice. You know, typically not going to wear that shirt twice and shit like that. And you realize, damn, I, could, I really could have done I had that time. Now the baby's too big. Now it's just, you know what I'm saying? Your girl might be pregnant. It's just, you, you got, if you see that window, you got that time and it don't jeopardize nothing, you owe it to yourself and your family 
to go for it. If there's mm. a chance that you can improve the quality of life mm. for you, for yourself and your family without threatening or damaging everything that they have, that you've worked for them up to that point. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You got to go for that shit, Rick. But I ain't going to lie. I do see some people that'll be like, they'll be like, this is my last $4. And they know they need their $4 to pay their bills. They be like, I'm finna pay this $4 to do this. So if it don't work, I'm out of there. But you didn't waste it. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Like trying something and failing is not wasting. There's no way you get to a win without losses. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Nobody, even Floyd Mayweather, whose professional record is undefeated, he took losses as an amateur. You know what I'm saying? Not a lot, you know, but still, you have to take a chance on yourself at some point in life. You know what I'm saying? You got to wonder if if there's room for you to transition from good to great. You got to give yourself that opportunity. You owe it to yourself. You owe it to your family. You owe it to the culture. Why be mediocre if you could be great? There's no mm. motherfucking reason in the world for motherfuckers just unless you you lazy or you scared. I know a lot of people in the industry that are super talented, but they're in a space where it doesn't require them to do more than they're doing. It doesn't ask more out of them than they're already given. And there's like there's a sustainable level of income coming in, right? Mm-hmm. So a motherfucker could literally be, um, could be actually be talented enough to be a millionaire or multi-millionaire, but don't got the work ethic or scared of the responsibility. So they stay in their little hundred thousand space because they can survive off of that. Their yeah. life don't really require more than that. You know what I'm saying? And they don't, like I said, they don't want the responsibility. They don't want the work ethic and they don't want to have to break out of their comfort zone. Mm. So a motherfucker will stay right there and be happy with that. Knowing that they was destined for greatness. I couldn't live with myself uh, knowing that I had more to give to this world and I was cool with just being mediocre on the sofa at home. I couldn't live with myself. Me either. So what would you say to somebody that's scared that like, they don't believe in themselves, but they got the talent to do it. What would you stop what doing if, it then? If you don't believe in yourself, there's no reason to do it. I don't. Even, I don't. If you want to make music, or you want to be an actor, or anything in this entertainment, or you want to be a football player, all that shit, but you scared, don't do it. I wanted to be a football player when I was little. You know what I'm saying? I got hurt on the field. It broke my thumb. My jump is still did double jointed, and I was like, nope, I don't want to do this shit. I, I did nope. I may be good enough to do it. Like, you know, my, and my daddy really wanted me to play football. While my yeah. brothers play football. I was like, man, this shit ain't for me. Like, this shit hurt. And y'all want me to be a running back. One day it's going to be my knees. I don't want to do that shit. So he was like, well, if you're not going to play sports, you got to be an A motherfucking student then. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If you're going to be, if you're going to run away from that, you got to run towards something. So regardless of what it is, if you got to try to find purpose in life. You know what I'm saying? So if you're not willing to commit to this 100%, if you're not really to give it everything that it takes and everything you got, then this ain't really your passion. This ain't really what you want to be doing. You're probably just trying to fit in with the people around you. Just leave it alone and go do something else because you're probably taking up space that somebody that really want to do this shit and don't want to do nothing else and don't have a passion to do nothing else, they probably could benefit from taking up this being in the space that you just taking up. Just leave that shit alone. If you don't, if you tall, 
you're 6'9", but you really don't want to play basketball, don't go to college and take somebody's scholarship. Don't go to the NBA and take somebody's dream to get out there and be 2.2 and one and a half rebounds per game for two seeds. Don't, don't do it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because there's somebody at home. For everything we ask for in this world, every all these cars we ask to drive, somebody really wanted that car. The house you live in, somebody really want that house. You know what I'm saying? And they busting their ass to get into it. And you fucking around. Quit fucking, get out the way. If that ain't really what you want to do, just get out the way and go do what it is you really want to do so you can be happy with yourself. Damn. But that's the worst thing you can do in life is do something because somebody else wants you to do it. Yeah. Or that's what you think other people want you to do. There's so many niggas in the grave in the penitentiary right now in loveless relationships and all that shit because they did what motherfuckers told them they they supposed to do. And I know a lot of people that are like, their life is based on what everybody else want them to do. They they won't make none of their own decisions. They're scared to make their own decisions. So they ask everybody else. And if the people don't tell them to do it, they ain't going to do it. They don't have any confidence in themselves. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They look in the mirror and they're not happy with who they see. And they're not alone. Everybody at some point looks in the mirror and not happy with who they see. But then it becomes, what are you going to do about that? Right? And some yeah. people just give up. Like, you know, I used to be... 300 and something pounds. I used to be like 325 pounds at my heaviest. You know what I'm saying? And I looked in the mirror. I was like, this is disgusting. This is terrible. You know what I'm saying? It didn't affect my quality of life because I was a famous rapper. So I could mm. still get women. I was still making money, right? And I could have just stayed there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to be fine to get women in the entertainment industry. You know, you just yeah. have to be popular and have some money. You don't have to spend it, but people will fuck with you just to be in the rooms with other people. A lot of times they'll fuck with you because they know you know him. And then once they get around him, they finna go fuck him. So that's kind of how this thing works. Um, but it all comes down to, to confidence, man. This all comes down to, are you confident to do it? Because it takes a lot of not just confidence, but self-assurance to put yourself out there in front of people and be open to criticism and shit like that. You know, I know grown motherfuckers, that, you know, would not have done half the shit that somebody like Lele did to get to where she is. Mm. She, that little girl did a lot of hard work. You know what I'm saying? She started in very small rooms. She did a bunch of, you know, different talent shows and showcases and workshops and all of that shit and worked her way up to it. I, I know a lot of grown motherfuckers, but I ain't finna do all that. You know what I'm saying? Right. And that's why you ain't gonna get where you're going. And if... And you don't deserve to get where you're going because you're not willing to put in the work. And most people, you know, people blame shit now. I hear Illuminati. I hear haters and the industry and our culture, all of that shit. Look, man, everybody ain't going to make it. You know what I'm saying? And just because you don't make it, it doesn't mean that it's somebody else's fault. Sometimes that ain't for you. I know a lot of people who want to be a rapper and the, the industry will say, Actually, you should probably be a DJ. Actually, you should probably be a promoter. Actually, you should probably be a stylist. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But they stuck on being a rapper. You know what I'm saying? And they miss all these other opportunities that life is literally telling them, you should do this. You should do this. We're actually hiring for this. We'll train you to do this. It pay more than what you want to do. But no, because the other one is really for cap. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really for Cap because it's more shiny and it's more noticeable and it'll get more views. It's not as glamorous. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But that shit typically is very quick. You know what I'm saying? It comes very quickly and it leaves very quickly. And then it ain't what they really be wanting to do. And it, and it so you, they're good. miserable. You're miserable. 
Got a stadium full of people out there waiting to see you. You backstage miserable as fuck. So now you smoking a bunch of weed. Let me smoke my weed. I don't, I don't want to act like I'm better than nobody. But then you're doing a bunch of, you, but you're doing it to cope. You're yeah, doing it to yeah. numb yourself just to get out there and really do it because you're not really doing what you want to do. Mm. If you're smart, maybe, you know, in the first two years you make enough money, you can be like, you know what, I don't want to do this. You can walk away and actually go do what you want to do. But typically you end up locked in with a long record deal, 360 people. Now you got to do more things to make money because they're they taking your show money, they're taking your merch money, they're taking your streaming money and all of this type of stuff. So you got to work even harder just to make, you know, decent money. Yeah. And um, it's just, you know, to do all of that for something that you really don't want to do, it's not even worse the stress, the mental anguish, you know, the grief. It's just you just beating your body and your soul up for cap. It's not worth it. Yeah, and that's kind of like what I did whenever I graduated high school. My whole family, no one in my family went to college. So I was the first person, like, everybody was like, yeah, you got a chance to go to college because nobody else went. But everybody knows I fucking hated school. I, I fucking pat. I cheated my whole way through high school and all that shit. But I went to college to make my family happy. And I went in that bitch for like, I want to say three months. And I just dropped out and started rapping. Because it, it, it just wasn't for me. That's just the life that everybody else wanted me to live. But I didn't want to live that life. Here's the thing. Your parents and your family want you to be successful. Yeah. Right? But success in their minds is built around levels of success that they had proximity to or that they saw. So when you decide you want to go into an industry uh, of which they have no proximity, nobody in your family ever done it, mm-hmm. no one they know has ever been successful at, even if they knew people that wanted to do something like it, they didn't make it. There's no frame of reference for them for that shit. Yeah. And they feel like, and because they don't know anything about it, they're not sure if you're good at it or not. Mm-hmm. So they don't want to even encourage it. Right. Because they don't let's say your parents, you say you want to be a rapper and your parents don't know what the fuck rap is. Right. So they don't know if you're a good rapper or a bad rapper. Right. Yeah. And they feel like, well, we ain't seen nothing in here like to show us that you are like a talented musician. Like they have no frame of reference for what the fuck you do. Yeah. Right. Like you don't play a guitar. You don't play an instrument. So they can't tell that you have like an acumen for some of this type of shit. But at the end of the day, they just want you to be successful, right? So that was my thing with my parents. My mama didn't understand rap music. They had a whole plan for me to go to college and, and do that and be successful. And that just wasn't what I wanted to do in life. So everything that they were going to give me to go to college, the car, the credit card, all that shit, they took it from me. And they were like, mm. you got to go, you know. And my mom thought because my mom had tried to – I have three older brothers um, – all three of them were in trouble when they were young, in and out of jail. One of them is, is on a straight and narrow now. The other two are still in that cycle of, of perpetually being in and out of of some kind of confinement. And my mom just tried to spoil me, thinking that that would help keep me away from shit because they – and it didn't work. And then my mom took everything away from me. And then that didn't really it, – it just – it didn't make me want to do what she wanted me to do. It just really reinforced – in me that if you want to be happy, you got to do what you want to do. And now, 30 years later, even though my mama still don't really know what I do, because my mama is older, you know what I'm saying? So my mama mama know I'm a rapper. My mama knows I have a certain level of notoriety. My mama came to the rodeo. Mama don't know who the fuck I am out here. You know what I'm saying? Like, my mama don't, 
my mama don't really know. Like when I go to the most gutter of hoods in America, one deep and can walk down, my mama don't really know who I am in this world. Yeah. But I'm successful. And that's all my mama really cared about. And I feel like now that your parents, now they like, shit, Ricky doing good for himself. He must yeah, be yeah, pretty yeah. good at it. it. The reality is, is that <clears throat> we know who we are. Our parents know who we are, right? Mm -hmm. But we're the best and the worst of our parents all in one. So they know what you might fuck around and do. It's shit that they fought against the worst of themselves. You know, typically your parents will believe that it, even if you are yourself and get money, you're going to fuck it up. Because oh, yeah. I know if I would have got money when I was your age, <laughs> I would have fucked it up. Oh, yeah, you yeah. You know what I'm for saying? Some, so they know some. who you are. Yeah. Your parents know who you are, and they know you know who you are, but they're not sure if you're going to choose the best of you or the worst of you when you go out in this world. Yeah, and now I understand why my mama didn't want me to leave when I was 18 because I moved out at 18. Me too. And I, Graduation yeah. night. Yeah, I moved, I moved out. My mama was crying. She was like, please don't leave, like begging me to stay. And I just, I knew, I always knew I was going to rap. So when I left, I told my mom, like, if you want to, like, if you want me to take care of you one day, I got to go. And she just, just was crying hard. And she was like, you know what? Just go. I believe. And now today, I pay all my mama bills, everything. She don't even got to work if she don't want to. She work because she want to, but exactly. she don't That's have what, to. They, their generation is like that. They, yeah. They're not, they're not trying to just sit around and, be at home looking cute and shit like that. Drive. That's not with that generation of women. They don't feel comfortable yeah. just sitting around on their ass. That you know, that's that's, that's not what they are. Yeah, she like to work. Yeah, so because you don't want to be that person. You want to. I always preach. You got to get up in the morning. You got to have something that motivates you. Get up. Want to be educated. Want to be engaged. Want to be encouraged. You know what I'm saying? You got to have something in the morning that wakes you up and makes you want to be a part of life. Because if you start getting to a certain point in life where you got enough money, like we we could sit around the house and fuck around most of the time if we wanted to. Yeah. We could get by with, with only working X amount of hours a day. For but sure. that, that really just goes against who we are as people, the example we're trying to set, and the level that we're trying to get to. Yeah. Well, I know that there's motherfuckers way richer than me. They get up earlier than me. They work harder than me. I'm trying to get there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I'm not trying to have what they have. I'm trying to be who they are in terms of an elevated, accelerated version of myself. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Just tired of like being, I don't ever want to be comfortable with who I am. I can be comfortable with what I have, but I don't want to be comfortable with who I am. I want to always be encouraged to learn more, think more, and do more. So I wanted to ask you, what made you start rapping? Rap was a culture that seemed fun as fuck. It wasn't really about money back then, um, but that shit was cool. Like the idea how people dress, break dancing, the culture, everything about it was cool. And old people didn't like it, which means I knew it was where I wanted to be. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but I was a fan for a long time. And then probably around my sophomore year, I saw people, this particular person, I don't, I don't want to put him on blast. I used to say his name is not cool. Um, he don't deserve that. But he was rapping. And I knew he didn't have more music than me. I knew he didn't know more rap music and lyrics and stuff like that than me. But he was rapping. And I was like, if, if he can rap, 
anybody care. I thought rapping was some special shit that only motherfuckers in New York and LA. I'm in Puerto Rico, Texas, right? I'm not, yeah. you know. And then I st- as I started to get deeper into the culture, I'm realizing there's a bunch of motherfuckers in the city that rap. You know, one of the first people to rap in Puerto Rico was uh, Mr. Boomtown, the video oh, movie yeah, director. Yeah. yeah, that's that's my OG. You know. Yeah. From PA. He was one of the first people to actually start a rap group, make beats. and Why, he was rapping? Yeah. Boomtown was rapping? Yes, sir. That's my dog. Boomer Scoomer. That's my OG right there. That's crazy. You know what I'm saying? Then he transitioned to film, came back. Now he's shooting my music video. And yeah. I featured in his film. You know, it's crazy how culturally, you know, we got there from such a small small town, you know. Yeah, but that's crazy. I, I just wanted to be a part of it, man, and eventually... I started writing rhymes. They were trash. But I wanted to be a good rapper more than I think anybody else. I think people wanted to rap. I wanted to actually be really good at it. Yeah. When I got in front of certain motherfuckers, that they would respect me. And I'm thinking all of this. I said sophomore, junior year, whatever. And I just devoted myself, devoted myself to it. And I was just, you know, I was always pretty good at school, so I didn't have to really work hard to make good grades in school. So I fucked off most of the time in class. I Whatever it was, I do it. We'll, we'll turn it in. You know, do the test in fifteen minutes. I got thirty minutes to write rhymes. Yeah, and then I used to do other people' homework so they could fuck off with me. You know, in the mm-hmm. back of the class and shit. And um, it just in my senior year, I realized like I really, really want to try to do this. And Chad then was doing it. So Chad was in a group. I was in a group. Um, Chad was in the original version of UGK, which was him and Big Mitch, and I was in this other group with my partner Jalon, and then we all came together. We became a four-man group, and it's a bunch of niggas. This nigga rapped, and these two niggas danced, and that nigga was a DJ, and everything. we had this whole little clique of people. And then as the senior year went on and on, everybody just started choosing different paths in life. When we looked up, it was like me and Chad and, and Bird. We was the only three people left that really wanted to do this music shit, you know? Yeah. And I knew I was good at music. I knew Chad was better than me at the music and rapping, uh, but he didn't have a plan B. Like, it was this music shit or nothing for him. So I was like, I'm going to just stick with this nigga because he, fin- he going to figure out a way to make a record. Yeah, for and sure. And I'm going to be right there with him. I'm going to just ride with him till till he make it. And when we got there, you know, we it ended up just being us. You know, nobody else from where we were at the time was making music. Eventually, another dude from that from that city in that time, DJ DMD. Um, he was from Port Arthur, Texas as well. So he ended up, um, he was still doing music, but actually he got a lot more attention on him and ended up having a, a you know, a fairly hit record. You know, 25 Lighters is a well-known hip-hop record. Oh, that's, you know a, that's, that's not, a legendary. That's, a, that's actually a legitimate, like it's a huge record in the South, but 25 Lighters is a legitimate rap hit song. You know what i He's from Port Arthur? Yeah. Oh, Port Arthur got... Yeah, no, we got some work. We got some action yeah. in Port Arthur. You know, we got motion. Um, but, you know, we just, you know, we counted on each other. We held each other down. There was times when he didn't want to do it no more. I kept him encouraged. There was definitely times when I didn't want to do it anymore. He kept me encouraged. And it was just, we knew it was just us against the world, you know. And we yeah. wrote that shit out. Um, we went through managers, record companies fucking over us and all that shit. Um, but we just believed in what we was doing and what we was representing. And we just didn't want to let, we didn't want to let PA down. We didn't want to let our mamas down. Like it was just that simple. It was no, you know, we got to do this because we need to, we realized, um, UGK was bigger than just us as, as men. It was really what it represented and who we spoke for in the world. And that, 
it eventually became enough for us to keep doing something that was consistently frustrating. We never really, we never made no money from the record company outside of advances. Like I never got any back in from my record company. I'm still technically 3 million in the red with my record company. So I never got a royalty check and I didn't, we didn't own our publishing. We signed our publishing away in 92 and we didn't get it back till like 2006. What? You know what I'm saying? So, um, for us, it was just features, rapping on niggas' records, pimp making beats, and and being on the road. We we didn't even do merchandise. So were y'all getting paid off shows and stuff though? Yeah, yeah, we was getting paid off shows, um, but but that was it. Damn. I mean, it just like you know, pimp would make beats for niggas. We would rap on niggas' records, and you know, side hustling. That's why we did a whole album called Side Hustles because that was when the record company wasn't fucking with us. Um, that's why if you look at at UGK's history, it's typically three to four years between each album. We argued with the record company, um, getting into it. They put us on the shelf. We had to go out, do shows, side hustle, end up working it out. Still don't get no money, but here's an advance for the next album. That shit went on for years and years. and um, But eventually we did get ownership of our publishing back, um, which was a big deal. And our solo albums are self-owned. Um, but then in a few years, so typically, um, like right now, we would already have ownership of our albums back yeah. um <clears throat> and so there's a, a system in sony right now because our music is owned by sony so if you were signed to them before the year 2000 um you they clean your record they wipe your record clear as long as you didn't take no money after a certain point they wipe your record clear but we actually took two advances on the last two ugk albums in 2006 um, and so we have to wait, I think, 20 years after 2006. So in 2026, ownership of UGK's albums will revert back to to myself and uh, the, the estate, Pimp C's estate. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So that's going to be going to be very interesting. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so that's why I, I tell people it's important to educate your family about the music industry and the business, because let's say I don't live to 2026. Right. My wife ends up as co-owner of some of the most historical rap music ever made. She needs to understand the value of it, right? She needs to understand how to maximize, you know, the 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 asset that she now owns, yeah. how to get the most out of it, and how to not how to not sell this intellectual property short. You know, all of that type of shit comes into it. Um, but we don't really think about that when we when we make music. It's important for our families to know how to manage our legacies. They don't have to know how to make music, but they have to know how to sell music. Yeah. That shit's super important. Um, and so, you know, I'm just really trying to make sure that, that my family is as educated as possible about this stuff. My wife typically comes to all the music meetings and pretty much every meeting I have when it comes to money, because she's my wife, she owned half of this shit. She need to know what the fuck she owned. Yeah. You know sure. what I'm saying? I never understood men that wanted to hide finances and shit like that from your wife, you died. They don't even know where the fuck the money at. I see it happen to street niggas all the time. You got money out in the street, you go to jail, your girl don't even know who owe you money. They can't even go get it. And motherfuckers, they ain't finna call and say, hey, I owe uh, Tony some money. I know Tony locked up. Tony had 250 with me. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so where you at? No, anybody finna, ain't finna yeah. do that. Shit don't work like that. You know what I'm saying? So that type of shit is important. My wife has a great relationship with my manager relationship with our attorney you know what i'm saying we've had him for many years and they're gonna make sure that the right thing gets done but she can't always count on other people i don't want her to count on other people you know something could happen to them 
in between. She needs to know what, what this shit is about. Because um, this shit is worth millions of dollars, you know, into eternity. Yeah. You know, my legacy, I will leave behind ownership of music and publishing that will generate millions of dollars. Yeah. And how long y'all been married? Uh, 90, well, shit, we've been together since 95. We got married in, shit, what's this? We got married in 2003? 2003. 2003. Be, I think it'll be 20 years next 20 year. Year. It'll be 20 years next year. 20, how, do, how do you get a marriage to last that long? Well, well for one, Let's you got to talk. I'll tell you, I'll tell you one, you got to talk, right? Y'all not going to agree on a lot of shit. You, things are going to happen, and you're going to be like, fuck, I know she's going to be mad if I tell her I, I bet 10000 on the Super Bowl. I, I did, you know. Yeah, yeah. I bought this equipment and shit, and shit didn't work out. The problems come with the time. You know you fucked up. You got you to gotta say you fucked up on day one. Every day you don't talk, it gets worse. Every day you mm. don't say it, it gets worse. You know what I'm saying? So, mm. like, you see what's happening with the coach nigga and, and Nia Long. The nigga knew yep. he had fucked up. He knew the shit was going to come out eventually. He let the girl move to a whole other city knowing it was going to be some shit eventually in that city. He should have just said something. And I don't know if he did say something. I don't know what these people relationship is about. But I'm just saying, as a, as a scenario, <clears throat> the other thing is, anything bad that your, your woman has to hear, she needs to hear from you. Hmm. That's deep. Because that's, that's the bad shit when something is fucked up going on and they got to hear it from other people. Oh, yeah, it's worse if they got to hear it from somebody else. from other yeah. people. You know what I'm saying? And y'all have a child. Religion is key. You have to agree on religion when you have children involved. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> doesn't matter if either one of you are devout or not. That's going to become a problem. It's going to be something... That affects their direction of life at some point. Not saying that being Christian is one thing and being Muslim is another. They're generally the same thing. But how we socialize, um, how we build relationships, those things inform that shit. You know what I'm saying? The, the typical Orthodox Muslim is very disciplined, you know, you know, somewhat devout, right? And they're going to expect certain things from their spouse and their woman. So that's going to limit, right? Yeah. Certain options, mm-hmm. right? For uh, whereas if you're non-denominational, right, you may not really be that devout. It, and the people you tend to fall in love with, that's going to come into play with that too. You, you know what I'm saying? If you're yeah. practicing Muslim, you go to college and you fall in love with a Jewish girl. That could be problematic. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but you have to agree on that type of stuff with children because sometimes the child may want to assert a certain level of devoutness that the parents don't carry. You know, they may want to be more dip, disciplined spiritually and religiously than you are. So you want to make sure that you're helping choose the right path for them to take and that you have some frame of reference for that religion. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, I do, I will say with relationships, people are not going to like each other every day. I know for a fact, I get on my wife's nerves at least four or five times a day. Um, <laughs> so you're not going to like each other every day, but don't confuse that with not loving each other. Mm, that's see. That's what I like to hear. Just right don't there. don't confuse not feeling her to not loving her. You know what I'm saying? Um, and let motherfuckers know. You know, just so, I don't like the way you chew. 
I'm not saying I'm, I would leave you or anything like that, but I just really, I don't even know if you know how you chew. What do you mean how you, man, you chew with your mouth open, you smack and shit? I just don't. <laughs> hey, my, my wife be telling me that. I be smacking like, my wife will look at me like. Hey, it's important that you tell people about the things that <clears throat> you don't like or maybe you don't care for. Yeah. Some things people can do things about. Some things they can't. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? But as long as you let it be known that that's something you're not crazy about and you're also open to them telling because as soon as you tell your wife about, well, I ain't going to lie, baby, can I be honest, man? I just don't, you know, when you, know, when you do this, man, that shit get on my nerves. Oh, really? Because, you know, when you do this, 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 and this, so, you know, in your relationship, don't ask for, don't ask for, and don't give any criticism you can't take. Yeah, yeah, and, sure. And it's always, man, y'all got a child, right? So, Y'all, you know, somebody always has to be the bigger person. Somebody's always got to be the bigger person, you know, for the sake of the kid. You know, yeah. and I don't sacrifice your relationship for a child. Right. The rearing is important more than anything. Whether or not you two can function as a couple or not, we can find ways to make that work. Um, but don't put your ego on the table when it comes to the child, you know. If you can't have a Hellcat, you can't have a Hellcat. You know, it don't make sense to try to be cramming them babies in a little ass car. Go get you. You, a truck you know, they, the kids can't fit in the Hellcat. Get something else. Right. You don't need the Hellcat. You got five kids. Get something else. You don't need the Hellcat. I know Tony got a Hellcat. I know Terry's getting a Hellcat. And I know you want a Hellcat. And you mad because you make more money than them and you can afford a better Hellcat. I want the Hellcat. You hell- had a kid in there. You know, your, your shit going to be kidded out. I, I want the Lambo, but I got to get the Lambo truck. But the Lambo truck don't look as fire as the Lambo, though. But I really want the Lambo. But I'm going to just settle for the Lambo. Okay. Just so they could, I can make sure they ride in the backseat. Just get it. You can actually, you can probably afford a Lambo and a family car. Yeah. Just come down on what kind of Lambo you want. Okay, There's a balance yeah. to this shit. There's no, we're not saying you can't have a Lamborghini, but you got to have a family car. Yeah. You have to you have a family to. car because you have a family. Mm-hmm. You don't have a Lamborghini life. You can have a Lamborghini night, but you can't mm. have a Lamborghini life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so on Saturday, you know, if you want to go get coffee with the guys and pull up somewhere, post up and hang out, and you know, or go to Cigar Lounge and drink some cars, you can have a Lamborghini night. Yeah. But on Sunday, we got to go to the park. Got to put these motherfuckers in this Explorer. Oh, yeah. It's gotta, family You day. know what I'm saying? Yeah, we it's get family it. day. Yeah, yeah, you know. So, yeah, we, we're not saying you can't have a Lamborghini night, Ricky. You can't live a Lamborghini life. <laughs> can you live with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can I I I settle that. If you get the family car in the off season, right, mm-hmm. then you can get the Lamborghini on the birthday or Christmas. Mm. But you take care of the family first. And then there's room for, like I say, cushion. Do yep. what you got to do. And then if there's cushion and there's time, go for yours. But, you know, she get Lamborghini nights too. I right, she get the Lamborghini night. Fuck it. <laughs> okay, fuck it. all right. If I, as long so, as I get the night, fuck it, she get the Lamborghini night too. Fuck okay, it. See, see, there's a balance to this shit. This is how relationships work. Yeah. If you're going to do some fly shit, make sure it's some fly shit that both of y'all get to do. Mm. If you know, yeah. if you gonna ball out, make sure it's some ball out shit that you and the wife can do. Yeah. Mama can watch the baby. Be like, hey, you know, I was gonna, we was gonna go to the Super Bowl, but I don't want to do it. We gonna go to Dubai for three days. Let's go do some different shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Let's go do some baller shit together. 
tell you, you got a good woman and she take care of your kid and she's still taking care of herself and still look good. Nigga, that's player. Only thing more player than being at some fly shit is being at some fly shit with a bad bitch that's all yours. You got a point. Not community pussy. You got a point. Ain't nothing more player than jumping out of a fly-ass car than jumping out of a fly-ass car with a bad bitch that's all yours. Because you don't want to jump out of a fly-ass car with a bitch that everybody done had because you're going to look weak. Some of the flavor of the month. Yo, you're going to look weak, fam. You know, your album come out this week. She going to be there at the release party in Vegas. And then when that nigga album come out, she going to be at the release party uh-huh. in L.A. And when them niggas album come out, she going to be at the release party in New York. And when her album come out, because she rock like that, she going to be at that release party in Miami. It's community pussy, you know. And that's cool. There's a time and a place for all of that. But if you actually got a bad, if, you actually, if your gal is a bad bitch, and even if she not, even if your gal ain't a dime. Look at Khaled. Khaled is overweight. I'm overweight. My gal still take me places. Mm. His gal still take him places. I ain't no dime ass nigga. I ain't got no six pack. <laughs> I look like I just drank a six pack. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, you know, somebody yeah. got to be a bad bitch. Yeah. Yeah. No cap. Yeah. For real. You know, somebody got to be a bad bitch or whatever. And if we not, then let us both be bad built together. Mm. Fuck it. You know what I'm saying? That's some of the realest shit I ever heard. Let's just both be bad built together. That's some of the realest shit. That everybody don't got to be I'm comfortable with me, and I'm comfortable with you. Yeah. I met you. You look like that. I love. I fell in love with you. I'm still in love with you. Mm. Are you in love with yourself? Hmm. That, that becomes a problem. Lord. Right? Are Lord, you in yeah. love with yourself? That's what it is. Because I'll marry you right here, right now, just like that. Let's go. That's because what it really is. I, I know what I look like when I get out the shower. You ain't mad at if you ain't mad at it, I ain't mad at it. Let's rock out. Mm. But it would be nice if one of us could be a bad bitch. Because I see stars all the time, movie stars, your million dollar people. You know what I'm saying? Look at <clears> Hugh Jackman. <throat> Hugh Jackman is as physically fit as you could possibly be. And his wife is just built like most wives with children are built. Yeah. He's not asking that from his wife. He's asking for love and devotion. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Which out of love and devotion, which one of those would you give up for your wife looking good? If you have love and devotion from your woman, right? But she's yeah. not necessarily built the way society would. Oh, I'm a woman. Tr- oh I'm which tripping. one of those would you trade for love or devotion? Oh, for, for her to be. I'd rather physical. have the love. I'd rather have the love and the devotion without her even looking good. Exactly. Like, I'd rather have that real love because you can have a girl that look good as hell, but she could be playing you with everybody else. Absolutely. Doing you dirty. She ain't got your back when you going through shit. You struggling, and she ain't got your back. I'd rather have a have a woman that got that give me love first. And you gotta realize, like y'all gotta realize, if you got a wife, and you know your wife. Look good, maybe not look as good as the options you have on the table. You got to realize that your wife might be the best option on another nigga table. Damn. Damn. So your wife might be a seven to you based on the social circle that you move in. But for some of these other niggas, your wife might be a 12. Damn. Like she looked better than anything they ever had. And she going to get your money when she leave. Damn, she gonna get your money. So she gonna That's be a like win, win, win. She got the house. She got the money. She look better than this bitch. I got three babies with. I wish his gal would. Damn. You 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 teaching me a lesson <laughs> right now? Like yeah, I nah, mean, for it, real. It's, 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 it's a song came out a long time ago. I, I heard it all my childhood, and it's still 
rings bells to me. A song's called "It's Cheaper to Keeper," mm. and nothing could be further than relating. I'm not saying all relationships are per are perfect. People grow apart, right? Some people just don't want to go in the same lanes in life. I know a lot of families that got broken up over QAnon and this Trump stuff and all this type of stuff and. Again, religion, as people become older and more devout, and I don't want my daughter wearing that. Well, all kids wear that. I don't give a damn. I don't, that kind of stuff, people people grow in different directions on that yeah. kind of thing. you know. But if you're lucky <clears throat> that you got somebody that know the worst shit about you and still ride with you and ride for you, I mean, it's, is it really about looks? Is it really, I mean... Is it really? And you know you ain't no dime. That's the other thing too. If you know you ain't no smash hit. Yeah, I know I'm ugly. How the fuck will you look? You leave with your gal for somebody because they fine. I know I'm ugly. I I probably I probably never find a, another girl that look as good as my wife. I ain't gonna cap. I'm I'm one ugly nigga. I I'm get a- uglier, older and fatter. My wife gets prettier, younger and finer. That's crazy. I married like. Bet, Betty Buttons Not bitch but Buttons But <laughs> Betty Buttons It's it's ridiculous you know hey, what That's I'm what it is though I'm For just the- trying to wake up Every day and not fuck it up That's it I'll be very honest I know I got a good woman My woman stood down The pistol when the nigga Came in the crib Till I got the strap Really can't ask for more than that At that yeah, point you can't beat that. I'm just trying to wake up Every day and do right By this woman Yeah You know what I'm saying And she's my muse You know she's my inspiration You know what I'm saying And she gave me a lot of game That's why I take her everywhere Because I, I see things from, from a man, masculine point of view. She sees different things, but we in the same room, different mannerisms from people. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So she's just a, a great fly to have on the wall. And she, she, my gal down. My gal is real. My gal real. Like, yeah. that's why everybody loves Queenie. Because Queenie's just 100. Mo- people call me, B, what's up, man? Ain't shit going on. Man, you with Queen? Because they know typically nine times out of ten. Well, I'm, I'm in the Queen's pretty much right next to me. Yeah. Yeah, she right here. She can hear you. You know, if we in the car... You know, everything coming through the through the Bluetooth. She right here. Queen, you remember old girl I had with me last time when, when y'all came down here? Mm-hmm. What you think about her? I don't trust her. <laughs> I ain't trust her. I knew it. I knew it. I said, let me call Queen because Queen knows something. Queen saw. I'm going to tell you why I didn't trust her because she kept playing with her phone. Like, mm. it'd be little shit yeah. like that. So everybody want, you know, everybody want that kind of insight that my wife have. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Why wouldn't I take it? You know, and you as a man, you can you can get caught in that in that system of I'm a man, I did it, I know what I'm doing and all of that. No, you gotta be able to recognize game. I looked up on the fact that my wife is solid, she's pretty, you know what I'm saying? She keep a clean house, she cooked. All that's one hundred. The, the the other side of being able to peep game, like and spot shit in the room, that's the icing on the cake. That's just different. No, that's that shit hit way different, my nigga. I it's hard lie. to find that. No, no, and I, I didn't even. It wasn't even something that I was requiring. It's just something that the woman I fell in love with actually brought to the table. That's some different shit. It's a beautiful thing, and that's why I love my wife because my wife got my back. She hold it down. She knows some secrets about me, and she don't judge me. And I know I'm ugly, and she still love me. And she gave you the greatest. Gift, as they say, yeah. a woman can give a man. She gave you a child. Uh, she gave me a child. She gave your ugly ass a baby, and yeah. she it, put she put a pretty on the baby. That's that's yeah, the real that's, gift. Yeah, that's the that's real the gift, gift. right your there. Your little boy ain't ugly like you. Because I'd be scared that I that the I, I was scared my son was gonna come out looking ugly as hell. Because I know I'm ugly, but the boy came out looking like like 
don't even like God. Like yeah, not that you would have you would have loved him any less. Yeah, but yeah. But you would have yeah. felt bad the whole time. Be like, my little nigga, ugly, and it's all on me. <laughs> yeah, I picked yeah. a pretty woman and everything. She gave me a whole baby, and that nigga came out looking like me. That's fucked up. She was I way out of hurt. my pay grade. I wasn't even supposed to be fucking with no broad that looked like that. <laughs> and she gave me a baby and. The baby got all me. That's fucked up. He ain't got my hair. He got my hair, my nappy ass. He got what? all that I ain't shit. even got no hair. I ain't even got no hair. So luckily my son got good ass hair. Cause I'm bald as hell. I was man, I was I was just praying that my son didn't come out bald. He came out with a full head full of hair. Congratulations, I was, I was, Ricky. Thank you. But right now it look like you winning in life. I'm trying. I mean, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Likewise. And and the same for you. I you winning in life. I can't lie. Um, it's gonna be. I'm. I'm actually. I'm looking at how crazy my year is. Like 2022 is by far, like the most successful year I've ever had in my life. Like it's not even close. We started with the rodeo. Mm. You know that. Yeah. That we started the year with the rodeo. Then we went to verses. Now mm. we own Trill Burgers, best burger in America. I got the residency in Las Vegas for a month. That's a partnership with Pepsi. Um, it's, it's part of an extended relationship with Pepsi. So um, I got Marco that works with Estevan Oriel, who's an award-winning um, filmmaker and photographer. Um, brought this Pepsi partnership to the table with scholarships, um, where they partnered with four people around the country to give away scholarships in different regions. They actually just announced the girl from Texas that won her scholarship today. So her name was Stacy. Congratulate to her. Congratulations. Um, but this is part of an extended program. Pepsi is very, very big about working in, in uh, communities of color right now. Um, Pepsi typically would throw a lot of money at the Super Bowl for the halftime show. They don't do the halftime show, but they still our partners with the NFL and the Super Bowl and all that kind of stuff. Um, so the next thing that they came to us about was they're partnering with black-owned restaurants to give them one-month residencies in MGM hotels. Mm. Um, so they picked five black-owned restaurants. Um, Trill Burgers is one of them. And so we're the month of November. So starting November 6th up until December 3rd, we will have a burger. It's called the Trill House. We made a special burger just for this collaboration, um, the Trill House Burger. Um, and that's going to be available at this place called Libertine Social in the Mandalay Bay Hotel. It's a beautiful restaurant. Um, and at the Public House in the Luxor Hotel. Again, these are not like bars. These are like really nice properties at these hotels. Um, and it's an amazing opportunity for these young up and coming companies to be able to put these brands in front of, you know, Vegas is a worldwide tourist destination. Yeah. People come to Las Vegas from all over the world every single day, not just on weekends, not just during festivals. People come to Las Vegas from around the world every single day. So this is ridiculous exposure oh, right? Yeah. that we couldn't pay for ourselves. So to be chosen to be a part of this program is a huge goddamn deal for everybody that's, that's big. Yeah, and that's like, big. And you know, I, I do. I've done some fly shit before as a rapper, but this is different. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm brand new with this shit. This is different. So I'm just blessed for this opportunity. I'm trying to show people that you know all the game I learned from marketing and branding myself and promoting myself as an artist and do these albums as an intellectual property. 
this burger's a property. So I took all my business um, skills from that and brought it to this, marketed it the same way, put it in front of the same base that I already have. 30 years of selling product to yeah. um, and some kind of co- cultural connection with them. Um, and everything just jumped off. But at the end of the day, we got a badass burger. Oh, right? yeah, like yeah. That's the, at the end of the day, it's not jumping like this just because I'm Bumby and I'm involved. This burger is cold. It's not like no regular drive-through, sit under the oven in a wrap till you pull up and ask for it type burger. That bitch is fresh off the grill. Um, the flavor is different. The presentation is different. That bitch is super fresh. Um, it's bold. And it's not just food. Like, it's, this is a cultural experience. This Being a part of Trill Burgers allows you to be a part of the continuing story of Bun B. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And I really appreciate people that continue to contribute to helping my dreams come true. And I, I actually saw when you did the Trill Burgers out here about a few weeks ago, my mom was out. My mom was there, and I didn't. She didn't even tell me she was going. I was mad, but I, I was busy that day. You but, know, if she'd have called you, yeah, you I was going to call me, and we could have cut for it somehow. You know, yeah, that's all I'm saying. And my mom, my mm-hmm. mom was sitting in the line. I didn't even know she was out there. She would. I seen her post an Instagram story. I was like, you know who Bun B? I was like, that's my home. Like my, my mom was like, yeah, I'm out. Like she got it all over her Instagram and all that. But it, like, probably if I would never heard it, the music, probably never bought an album, but. This burger. The burger, yeah. This burger. You know what I'm saying? It, it's, <clears throat> I didn't really understand exactly what was going on with Good Morning America calls. And I knew it was going to be a big opportunity. Yeah. But I didn't realize how many people from these totally different walks of life watch that shit. And yeah. if they watch it, they literally watch it every day. Because my, my, my bad to interrupt. No, no. You say, you're saying exactly my, what I was finna My say. mama, she, do, I swear, right Right handed, my mom has never listened to rap, and and my whole life of living, she had she used to buy us Christian albums. She tried to get me to do Christian rap, so for her to know that you had burgers and she was in that long ass line is crazy. That's see, and <clears throat> it's crazy. I I got a lot of calls from a lot of people talking about their mama had called them. You know, we went to um. I think it's called CB2 or something like that. It's a furniture store in, in West University. And the girl said, my mama called me today and asked me, did I know the rapper that had the hamburger? <laughs> she said, she said, I'd never heard my mama say rapper in my life. She said, she said, she said, and do you know him? I said, yeah, I know him. I know of him. Have you had this burger before? She's like, yes, I had the burger, mom. It's, it's a good burger. Can you go by there and get me a couple of them and bring them home? She's like, Mommy, he don't have a restaurant. Well, how he got on TV and how he got this and that? And that's what really blows people's mind. Yeah. The fact that this burger has all this momentum and all this energy and even this this level of acclaim, and we still don't have a brick and mortar. Now, it says a lot about the brand and the fact of how good the burger is. But, I mean, we were already looking for somewhere to go. Mm-hmm. Now it's like we have to because... Every day I'm not open in Houston, I'm losing thousands of dollars. Oh, yeah. Like, it, right sure. now, every day somebody will call me, hey, we coming into town this weekend. Where can we go get the burgers? Hey, my, my mom and them, uh, they in town. They at the church for something, man. They, where can they go get your burgers? I hate telling people they can't come get my burgers. Because at some point people going to get tired of hearing that. 
Yeah, you know, and the, people got to hear. Where can I? All right, now, nah, where can I go get the damn burger? And it's older, it's older women that's yeah. getting frustrated. They really want the people, fucking burger. I don't know what it is with women over fifty. There's something about a cheeseburger. They, it's not casual. They want that bitch like for real. They want that burger. And then whenever I said you was coming to do the podcast here, everybody said, "Is he bringing, is he the, bringing bur- the burger?" Remember, I texted you. <laughs> I asked Did you, you bring I, a burger? I'm talking about we was in a whole whole studio Did, full of people. Everybody I'm, said, is he bringing a burger? I'll be honest, Rick. Man, this shit is rude at this point. Because I have friends I've known for years, right? Like, you know, I go to Atlanta. I call I call this dude. I call that dude. Hey, we coming to Atlanta this week. Yeah, woo, woo, man. I bet where y'all at? Oh, it's woo, woo, woo. I bet I'm going to pull up to the hotel. We're going to hit the spot, you know? Yeah, woo, yeah. Woo, woo, if I call a motherfucker right now. And I pick up my phone right now and say, hey, uh, hey, I'm coming to Detroit uh, in two weeks. No shit. Would you, y'all bringing the burger? <laughs> Fuck rap. Fuck rap. Are you bringing the burger? If I tell a motherfucker no, they actually get disappointed <laughs> as in, why you even coming? If I can't get the burger, my nigga, I done seen you rap. We've been friends for 20 years. I done seen you rap. A hundred goddamn time. Fuck that. We need the burger. Where's the burger? Bring the burger, my nigga. Well, you know, the venue won't let me do. Man, I'll find you a play. Motherfucker be like, hey, y'all got to go. Well, they'll call me. Y'all got a show in Cleveland on the 22nd, right? All right, check this out. My man got like the little soul food cafe, right? Yeah. You know, it's popping right now. Get a good little crowd for brunch. I'm thinking, my nigga, if you're going to come for the show anyway, <laughs> just bring the burgers. Like, yeah. it's just like me. Like, okay, cool. Hey, burgers, come on. We're going to... No, man, that shit don't work like that. Like, I got to I gotta rent equipment. I got to get meat. I got to fly the, the, the staff up, put them in a hotel, all of that shit before we even cut the goddamn grill on. So that shit costs me money to... Mm. Every time I do a pop-up, it costs me money because I don't have a brick and mortar. So I got to yeah. build it up every time from, from the ground up, every time we do it. So that shit ain't that easy. So what made you start making burgers, though? And, and, um, man, I didn't start shit. Somebody called me. My friend Andy called me, uh, him and my friend Nick. Yeah. And they were like, yo, Andy's working on a burger. Um, wanted to know if you want to be a partner. I said, let me try the burger. I ate the burger. I thought the burger was pretty goddamn good. They was like, we're not done yet. They came back in like two weeks. I ate that bitch again. And not only was it the best burger I'd ever had, but it was one of the best experiences I'd ever had, like eating something. Mm. This burger is different. It's not, it's a trill burger. It's not a burger. So you can't use, and no disrespect to Wendy's, McDonald's, Burger King, Whataburger. These are all cultural institutions. They're not going nowhere. I live in Texas. Whataburger ain't going nowhere. Oh, yeah. It's not going nowhere. Three in the morning, I'm leaving the spot. I may want a uh, fucking Whataburger on on the way home. Because Trill Burger probably won't be open at 3 in the morning. So I may need that motherfucking burger, yeah. that patty milk. Um, but it is it is an amazing, it's an amazing culinary experience. Like, we didn't just decide to start making burgers. Like, Chef Mike Pham put a lot of thought into the burger. He's been working on burgers for his whole culinary journey. That's mm-hmm. all we wanted to do was make great burgers. And he ended up making what I think is the best the best burger experience on the planet. And it got my name on it, my reputation, and we're going to ride this bitch till the wheels fall off. Well, yeah, shout out to him because y'all got the burgers. I saw the line in downtown. I saw the line. It was like four blocks long. 
See, and that's the thing. People will pull up and they'll stand in line and they'll give it a shot. Like, we're going to do this. We love Bun B. We support him. You know, we stood in line to get in shows and stood in line to get the Astros hats and all of that. So we're going to stand in line for the burger. And But it's, the burger got to be good. Because mm-hmm. if the burger ain't really good, people going to say, you went down there and got the burger. Yeah, how was it? It was cool. You know, it was long-ass wait. It was cool. I probably wouldn't do it again. Right? Yeah. The motherfuckers, no, you had that burger? Yeah. How long you stood in line? Shit, probably about three hours. For a burger. Yep. Couldn't have been worth it. Shit. They saying they'll do it again. Yeah, I'm going back. Because it's crazy because I'm talking about everybody I know, white person, black person, Indian person. You name it. Alien. They all done asked me about your burgers. Everybody done asked me about the burgers. The burgers is up there. No, man, it's it's a blessing for one to have that level of support from people, even trying it, trying the burger, knowing I don't come from the food industry. Second, the level of discomfort they've been willing to go through to get the burger. We're not just talking about standing in line for three hours, four hours. In some cases, people waited six hours to get this burger. We're talking about standing outside in line in Houston in the summertime. It's a whole different level of motherfucking commitment to stand outside in Houston. That's 105 degrees. It's no bullshit. So every pop-up, I'm out there, I'm walking the line. I'm giving people water, trying to keep people dehydrated. We bring, like, the the, the impaired people inside, the elderly. We try to, you know, we try to accommodate people. They got babies, you know what I'm saying? We make sure there's bathrooms available for people. And, we, you know, if you got to get out of line to come use the bathroom, don't be a bitch. Let the people back in line because as soon as you don't let somebody back in, you're going to have to pee. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We're not doing that here. We all trying to get through this together. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And while this is a new company and I can manage the time to be there, I'm at every pop-up. Whenever you see Trill Burgers, you see me. So I'm not just sitting at the crib you know what I'm saying? Smoking a fat ass square. Matter of fact, let me just get back to smoking. <laughs> smoking a square, calling downtown, talking about, hey, how it's looking down there? Mm-hmm. Now nah, you in the field. You in the field. Bitch got my name on it. Yeah, you out there. I, I ain't going to sit at home and wonder what if somebody over there picking their nose or, you know, doing mm-hmm. something disrespectful on my fucking name. This <laughs> shit is Trill Burgers. Yeah. You have a bad experience. You don't give a fuck who you see in that restaurant. You don't give a fuck who you see. On the grill at the front of the house. You don't give a fuck about none of that. Man, I went to Bun B shit. They blaming it on you. That shit's all on me. I be trying to be there. Yeah, they blaming it on you. I be trying to be there, cut the bullshit down, and you be surprised. I get some bullshit every time. Some real petty shit. New York was wild. New York niggas tried to press. My guy, they didn't know we was there, you know? Uh, So we had to come out from behind the grill, talk to niggas. Like, you know, just letting me, we not finna do this, my nigga. Yeah. Like, I know this New York. I know how y'all move. That's cool. We're not doing this here today. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we're going to all be respectful because there's New York niggas back here with me too. So when I leave, this pressure's still here. We're not doing this. I didn't come here to disrespect nobody. And I'm not going to allow nobody to come here to disrespect my people. You yeah. know? And my people, this is non- these are chefs. You know, these are non-confrontational people. Yeah. Nothing to press these folks. You want motion, we got motion for you. You want pressure, we will apply. You know what I'm saying? But we're not finna do that. I just came to sell some food, bro. But I understand people get tense. 
Some people come with the bullshit, you know. That's fine. We don't bring the bullshit, but we will entertain the bullshit. It's not a problem. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But we don't really want that. I really just, I want you and your mad ass to get a burger too. In spite of you acting like a hoe right now, I'm still going to try to help you make sure you get your burger on time. All right? But it's, as my dad used to say, it's too much grass out here for us to be talking. Nah, for real. <laughs> Way too much grass. It's too much grass out here for us to keep talking. Hey, what's up with it? What's up with No, I'm joking. But, yeah, but we nah, don't want that, man. I'm, but I'm nah, gonna yeah, be yeah. 50 years old, man. I'm too yeah. old to be trying to beat my taking my shirt off and boxing with a nigga. That's a, that's that yeah, we, that, that's not a good look for me. Yeah. But we're not finna stand for no disrespect either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, for real. We'll, we 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 handle things different. There was a time we would, I we wouldn't have even talked. We'd yeah. be jumping over counters. But I got a company. It's, I I have co owners. I have Family, I, 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 everything I do reflects on everybody in my life. You know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to talk that shit and walk that shit down. Yeah, you know what I'm saying I'm trying to stall, really stall a lot of this shit out. You know, I know you're a gangster, my nigga. We gangsters too. Can we just sell you a burger? Can, can we just sell you a burger? That's all we want to do. We going home tomorrow. You niggas can have this shit back. I'm just trying to sell. More. I'm just trying to sell people a burger. Hey, dog. Don't take a burger. We not. We not trying. Don't make us. I don't want you to have to, because then we have to. <laughs> and it's just not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. <laughs> no, nah, hey, for real. But so I, I actually have another question though. Um, what do you think? Because you know you've been in the game for a long time. So what do you think the difference is of for artists back then and now? Because I remember earlier, my my boy Perp asked you if you want to dim the lights for you to do this. <laughs> Yeah, so the man was asking me if, if what color, because I guess they um the build out in the studio, they got like a whole like kind of like a, a music venue where there's a whole like lighting set up in there. And I guess they could adjust the colors and the mood or some shit. And the man asked me what color I wanted the light to be in the room as if that had anything to do with what I was doing. But you never know. There's a lot. There's a lot of emo rap right now. Yeah. So niggas might want to come in here trying to be the next Juice World or something, rest in peace, or some little Uzi Vert and be on that shit. Like, I need the room purple right now, just purple. You know, it could be that. You know, it, that shit don't really matter to me. I'm just trying to rap yeah. at all. But no, the, the biggest difference that I see is the power dynamic. Hmm. Right? The idea that, you know, an artist in 2022 needs the least amount of help an artist has ever needed to get to where they're going. Mm. And when I say help, I don't mean help from people or whatever. I mean, in terms of having to go through different conduits to get your music to people. Like you don't have to have a relationship with a radio station to get your music to people. You don't have to be signed to a major record label to get your music to people. These mediums that are presented to artists in present times do a lot of the heavy lifting that employees of companies used to do. Um, so outside of maybe an A&R department, really most artists don't really know, need that. And and then even with an A&R department, an A&R job was typically to, they're giving an artist and you're like, okay, he rapped like this. Let's try to get him on so-and-so beats and get him on a song with so-and-so. But nowadays, artists typically build those relationships themselves. You're not introduced to another artist through somebody. 
you follow a motherfucker, they follow you, y'all comment on each other's shit, y'all see each other somewhere, people, niggas tap in and link up and shit like that, you know? So everything is done in a more authentic way, in a more organic way. Yeah. Um, I used to have to sell 10, uh, 10 songs at one time. To make money, right? I used to have to sell an album. You know, maybe you drop a single or two, but typically you you're trying to get people to buy the album. I need yeah. you to buy all ten songs at one time. You know, what I'm saying, well, in 2022, I can drop one song one time through fifteen mediums. Yeah, I don't even need to release an album, right? Because the whole point of releasing ten songs on an album, doing all these songs, is you're trying to put enough music on there that allows you to touch as many people as possible while sending them all the same general message about who you are and what you represent. But you could do that with one song now through mm-hmm. all these different mediums so that one way or another, this record's going to get in front of them. The other thing is people don't even have to generally like your song. If you have a movement and it's the new movement and everybody that, you follow and everybody on your timeline are all liking these posts, right? Like you go and explore, you look and you see this rapper's page. And typically Instagram will tell you if people you follow like that person. Then you see, oh, so-and-so like this person. Let me go. And then you go in there and you scroll through it on this person, this post, this girl you know liked it. And that post, these two dudes you know liked it. On that post, these people, oh, damn, what, what am I missing out on? So now you following a motherfucker and supporting a motherfucker just because you think maybe that's what you're supposed to be yeah, yeah, yeah. doing. So now the the music, <laughs> didn't, you didn't buy into it because of the music. You didn't buy into it because of anything. that You just bought into it because it's the new thing to do, you know? Yeah. Um, which is crazy. But that's the power that the artist has now. So typically an artist could drop a, a record through SoundCloud or Bandcamp or even the YouTube and social media and stuff like that and get some momentum, get some energy, get a following. Somebody see them. I like you. Come get on the road with me. I'm going to jump on your remix. You you know, you get a whole fucking thing going, right? Yeah. You know, and then you you fuck around, get on a Spotify playlist. Now, now you really out there. Get on some Apple Music playlist. Your shit is really popping now. You got momentum. Now, you before you sign the deal, you have energy, Right? That you bring to that you have leverage. Yeah. Artists have never gone to the table in these numbers with that kind of negotiating leverage before. You know what I'm saying? So as a result, you see more and more artists nowadays. They don't even have a hot album. They may have had two hot songs, but that shit connected with the base that these people want. You are doing the numbers that they that they quantify as successful and profitable. And the motherfuckers will give you a bag. Like I see so many young artists getting seven figure deals, right? Not deals with incentives that they got to live up to. No, the motherfuckers going home with seven figures when they sign and they still generate more income. A money bag, yo, would never have been as rich as he is now 15 years ago. The system just would not have allowed him to do that. Soldier Boy is the anomaly that changed the whole paradigm of this shit because everything about entertainment, the music industry and presentation and marketing and branding would have said unequivocally Soldier Boy is a zero. We pass all the way across the board. Because of that he ended up making way more money than he should have 
because when he did go to the table, he had more leverage than he ever should have had because now it's proven that there's a connection. Same thing with Master P. The reason Master P got so rich is because he asked for a deal that they were sure, beyond a shadow of a doubt, he would never hit the mark. Yeah. On that shit. There's no way this shit does these numbers. That like, no, fuck yeah. If you if you do that, fuck yeah, I'll give you that. You can make this shit sell that. Fuck yeah, I'll sell you that. He threw his whole fucking every piece of energy into promotion and marketing and he hit that mark consistently every goddamn time and they had to pay that shit. Mm. So the power has never been in the hands of the artists in the entertainment industry, and that's across the board. Issa Rae started on the internet with shorts, ended up with a whole goddamn TV show. Now she writes movies. She, you know what I'm saying? She has a whole production deal with people. Got a whole other show. This came from shorts on YouTube, my nigga. It's crazy. <clears throat> the power's in your hands. You just got to really want that shit enough. Take the time. Dedicate yourself to the craft. Focus in on what you're doing. Find other motherfuckers that are as serious as you. Lock in. And make it happen. And now you got TikTok. You can look Instagram. into it in other ways, but that's going to be the best way to build to build a brand and a team. You know, that's how LeBron and them did it. None of them knew what the fuck they was getting into, but they trusted each other. They believed in each other, and they made sure that he had whatever he needed to get to where he needed to go. He had the level of education, um, the right mentor, the people to put him in the position on exactly how he's supposed to move in these spaces and talk in these rooms. You got to invest in people. You yep. know what I'm saying? The people that you know already out of all you already know who your who you know who your friends is that's here to see what's gonna happen and you know who the ones is that you gotta be like man come on man come with you don't never come nowhere man i don't really be on that shit i don't be one you know i really don't fuck with him because the nigga just really be out because of woo wham yeah i ain't there for that bro you know what i'm saying i really want you to win that's why i want you there the people you damn near gotta convince to be a part of the shit that's who your manager need to be mm. you know what i'm saying yeah that's who your role manager need to be the people that's not going to allow nobody to fuck over you, even if it's family or other friends. That friend, that's who you invest in. Mm. I don't know if you ever heard the uh, the story of my old manager. Did you ever hear that story? No. So <clears throat> I've heard know, the story, but not your story. Yeah, you know, I had two of them. So, but yeah, but I know you. I know I the, had two managers. Yeah, that's probably like what you're about to say. But you, go yeah. Ahead. So when I, you know, when I, when my song was like blowing up and I was, I'm on Billboard and all that, right? So at one point, it's like, I'm say 2016, 2017. At one point, I'm 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 still on Billboard, but all of a sudden, I'm just like, I didn't have, like, I didn't have money when I needed it, type shit. You know what I'm saying? And then later on, I have fired my manager because he had did some shit I ain't gonna really speak about. And once I fired him, and I called 300, who I was signed to. They rerouted all my payments to me. So he was taking my payments and wasn't even telling me that I was getting it because I had that thing where uh, he could sign for my checks. Power of attorney. Yeah. So he could take my checks and go to the bank and sign for them. And I never even knew I was getting the checks until I put the checks under, until I fired them and and the checks started coming to me. Right. And then after I did that, I just started having money all of a sudden. It's a lot easier for people to... A lot pay somebody to do that type of shit than yeah. actually have to focus and and lock in on it. Um, there's a there's a new movie out with a uh, Elvis movie that's mm-hmm. out right now, 
And in the movie, Tom Hanks is playing Colonel Tom Parker, who was Elvis's manager. Um, Elvis never had his own money. Mm. Elvis never had control of his own money, never had a bank account with all his money in it. Colonel Tom Parker collected and controlled every dollar that Elvis made Damn. as a manager. Now, Colonel Tom Parker did things in the music industry that we still did do to this day that actually protect the artists. Colonel Tom Parker invented picking up the second half before going to the show. Mm. He invented that. We all Backing. operate that way. Yeah. Um, now, but back in the day, you didn't get paid until after the show. And that's if you was gangster enough to get your money from the promoters and the owners. Because they were always going to tell you, well, we didn't do so good tonight, so we can only pay you this. So you yeah. had to have somebody that was really down with you to actually get your money at the end of the day. Colonel Tom Parker was like, we're not playing that shit. We're not even coming. You got to bring the money to the hotel. We're not even coming to the venue. Yeah. That's why when Elvis would finally arrive, that's when you knew the show was happening because they would say, Elvis is in the building. That means Elvis got paid. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, the bad part about it was Colonel Tom Parker was an immigrant. He, he came to America. He got drafted in the war. His officer, commanding officer, Colonel Tom Parker, died. He didn't have any family, so the nigga took his name, oh, came shit. back. and um, But Elvis had a bunch of show offers to go overseas. Like Japan wanted <laughs> to pay him $2 million for two shows. But Colonel Tom Parker wouldn't let him go because he knew once he left, he would never get back in the country. Damn. Because he could prove who he was. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's why I say you got to pick people that that really care about you. You know what I'm saying? I had my shit. My shit, my manager, forget it. My manager stole money. We fired him. He sicked us, the feds on us. All kind of crazy shit. And he controlled all the paperwork and literally told them that we were stealing money. But he was the one stealing the money. It was some crazy shit. Crazy shit. Um, but everything eventually ends up where it is. You are now still doing good for yourself. Yeah. That person probably ain't got shit going on. You know what I'm saying? I ain't seen them since. And and that's the thing. You know, people people throw away real opportunity for pennies. I see it all the time. I've seen it. I've already seen it in the burger business. You know, we've had different issues that we had to deal with. But I built something before from scratch. Had to rebuild it. And I know what it takes. I know you're going to take losses to get to a win. So I'm not worried about that. Uh, you got to be really be built to, um, to get through some of this shit, though. Because, you know, we went through some shit. My partners were like, I can't believe this shit is happening. I'm like, I can't. It's business. Yeah, we on that path. Sure. It's going to be a couple. I say, this ain't shit. The big one, we're not even close to what the big one's going to be. I say, so just get used to it. We're going to have some real good days. We're going to have a lot of good days. But when it's fucked up, it's going to be bad. And on that day, it's going to be worse than anything you probably ever felt in your life. But I've been on the other side of that shit multiple times. I had some low-ass moments in my life. Now I came out on the other side. Not saying everything ended up being perfect, but we lived. You know what I'm saying? We lived through it. We yeah. survived it. We learned shit from it. So I'm like, man, fuck all that. I ain't worried about that shit. You know, we got a, we got a solid reputation. We got a solid product. That's all that matters. They can take everything because they took everything from me and Pimp. We had a solid reputation and we had a solid product and we built that shit back up. Hmm. That's amazing. Well, with that being said, I'm gonna go ahead and end the show. Bun B, the legend. I appreciate you coming to the show. Nah, man, I enjoyed it, it bro. It means I like a lot setup to me. Too. 
Appreciate you. I feel like you. I'm on Between Two Ferns. You ever seen that? Nah. I ain't you know, you, when you get through, go on YouTube and Google Between Two Ferns. You're going to laugh when you see it. Because <laughs> we literally like between, well, we between two palm trees. but Yeah. Well, yeah I'm going to check it out. But, yeah, we're going we gonna to try and make this a permanent permanent setup. You know what I'm saying? But I really appreciate you coming through. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I didn't even tell you what the name of the show is. Yeah, what's the name of the show? I the show is called The Ricky Wayne Show. What? I. <laughs> We could assume that shit. <laughs> yeah. It's the, it's the Ricky Wayne show. I, I came up with a lot of names. I had Table Talk. I had Wayne's World. and I, I had like five names, but I don't know. Ricky Wayne show just, I just liked it. I woke up this morning and was like, yeah. The name I'm got a ring it. to it. I'm going to drop it. The name got a ring to it. Why fuck with it? You see what I did? We were sitting around with Buns Buns and Buns Burgers and all. Well, no, Buns Buns was something um, my guy Delaron wanted to do. Buns Hot Buns. Dogs, uh, a while back. But we came up with all these type of fun plays on Buns and all that stuff. Yeah. I said, man, fuck all that, man. We just, trail Burgers, man. Keep it simple. They're like, well, yeah, why not? And I'm trail like, why burgers. not, man? Just, yeah. you know, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel. We're trying to roll with this bitch. So, I, yeah, the Ricky Wayne show. Fixed. Actually, I wanted to ask you something before we leave. Um, did you get into burgers because your name is Bun? No, but it doesn't hurt. Okay. okay it okay. doesn't hurt. Yeah, I, I, have, may, I, may, I, get, I may get into buns. <laughs> Right, actually selling buns. Oh, oh, oh okay, buns. Yeah. I'm just selling buns. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. not them buns. I yeah, got in-house buns. I ain't, I, ain't, I don't, no, I don't need no help on that. Yeah, yeah, no, in-house sure. buns. But no, we we looking at you know moving into a lot of different spaces, putting shit grocery stores. We got a great partnership with Kroger. Um, loving to expand on that. Be looking for a lot of different announcements with that as well. But uh, man, I'm thinking big and broad for this brand. Man, this this thing's gonna outlive me. I think my family from this point on in life are gonna be damn near inseparable. With cheeseburgers, and mm. I think they're good with that. They, they, oh yeah, they are right with that. And uh, it's really about just building something, building something that's sustainable and representative of everything else that I've done. Um, will Trill Burgers be the biggest burger company in the world? Probably not, but it's gonna be big enough for for you know everybody from my family to have the opportunity to do what they would want to do in this world. You know what I'm saying? Uh, <clears throat> some of them gonna get some of this money and try to fuck it up. That's just how life works. If I yeah. if if I would have let's say Trillburger becomes a a fifty million dollar company fifteen years down the line, my grandson is twenty young twenty one years old. He inherits that money. If he fucks that money up, I don't even know if I would be that mad at him. Because if somebody would have gave me fifty million dollars when I was twenty one, right around Houston, smoking fried shit, yeah, I'm, it would have yeah. been bad, bro. Yeah. This shit would have been bad. I would have, oh man, no, Rick James wouldn't have had shit on me. And I don't mean about cocaine either, just wild shit. Mm-mm, man, I'd have been terrible out here with money. 21 with money? It's a wrap. 21 year old me was, I, I matured a lot. You know, most of y'all, y'all only know Uncle Bun and all that shit. Yeah. yeah. Some of these older niggas, hey man, I think that used to be tripping. I used to be. You know, I, I used to ride around, not like in public or whatever, man, but I really was reckless, man. I used to really get out here and, you know, thank God for, for really just looking out for me, bro. Because I used to really, I used to get high and go out here looking for trouble, man. And by the grace of God, I never found it. Man. I no believe problem. it because I hear, I hear your, your old music and then I see you now. I'm like, this can't be the same That's bun the same. that was. Well, that and was. Now, not the same bun no more, same person. Uh, but yeah, man, I, I, I woke up one day and realized I was throwing pen, rocks at the penitentiary, 
the goddamn graveyard, like you name it, bro. I was really, really asking for trouble. I was mm. loose and reckless and irresponsible because, again, I had no responsibilities. Once I had a family, everything changed. You know mm. what I'm saying? Once I started to realize who I was and the impact I could have, not just on my bloodline, but in this world, I started taking a lot of this shit more seriously. And that's when, and that's kind of who you see now. You know what I'm saying? But, and then Pip was, Pip was chill. That was the thing. When we were younger, I was outside. I was wild. Pimp yeah. was chill. Around riding dirty, you know, me and Queen met and shit started changing. I started to chill out a little more. And Pimp, that's when Pimp realized he was Pimp C. Like, for real, for real. Oh, man. That, let me tell you something. You can live to be 200. You ain't going to do half the shit that boy did in this life. That man lived his life. I will tell mm. you that. That man lived his life. And I had some fun. I had some good times or whatever. But we both couldn't be out like that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I was like, I had a good run. I had fun. I'm going to go ahead and let this boy do it, you know. And he, but he was the sex symbol. He was the one everybody wanted anyway, you know. I wasn't tripping. Everybody get everybody famous get some get some women. Oh, yeah. Ain't shit. Sure. You ain't special. That's the first lesson you got to learn as a rapper. Just because you're getting pussy don't mean nothing. It doesn't mean a thing. That's deep. You're not cute. You're not, fam- you're not none of that shit. You're just in town. Hmm. They gonna forget about you. Just a nice break. You don't know how big of a host she is, so it's a nice break. You actually be kind. You might take her to Waffle House, let us roll your weed up and shit like that. You know, and vice versa. Some of these girls might come to town. They don't know the nigga got thirteen baby baby mamas and shit. You know, you might think that nigga actually got something going for himself. Realize he ain't shit. You know. And now in 2022, she gonna expose you when you leave. Oh yeah, no, it's gonna be. They'll take pictures of you when you go. To yeah, school. they they gonna have that picture. Who had of your... a camera? Nobody had a camera in '92. When nobody just walk around on motherfucking camera. Yeah, see now they got the cameras. Oh, see now you go to sleep next to her. She gonna she gonna hit that cell. Well, I'm from the area. You know, you like your phone is an address book. We used to have to like you had one piece of paper that had every broad you was talking to phone number on. You kept it folded up in your wallet like that. <laughs> And you crazy. kept a rubber in your wallet. You get busted like that because the rubber imprint would be on your wallet. And <laughs> so, like, your girl go through your phone nowadays. Your girl would go through your wallet to try to find where you kept the oh, phone numbers. Shit. And the rubber imprint of the wallet. That's crazy. Well, luckily, I don't, you know, I ain't cheating. You got in-house, yeah, so, so you good. Yeah, you we in-house. in-house. You good. We in-house, living it up. But, yeah, but appreciate <laughs> you, man, my brother. You know what I'm saying? Thank with you for that. having me on the Ricky Wayne show. Yeah, you, we you we gonna get the sign. We getting the sign. Get sign. Can you put up a graphic? Like, can we just get like a graphic that? Yeah, we gonna we gonna we yeah, gonna put, put something, something right, right there. there. But we gonna we we getting the sign soon. The sign's coming. It's on the way. That's a bet. It's That's I already ordered it. Anytime you want me to come back, man, let me know. I'll come through, drop some more game. You know, or I can learn some shit. If you got somebody up here talking about some shit, I need to know because you're a young nigga. You on some tech shit. Um, you on some different next level shit. You know how the kids think. Yeah. So if y'all offer to do some different shit, I, you know, I, I can't do the, the, I don't do that shit. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I be trying to monetize my IP too. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and that, that's what that's what I like about you. And I know you, you on you that type stop. of shit. So let's yeah. get it. All right, y'all. We signing out, man. Thank you guys for watching. Bumby, T Wayne, aka Ricky Wayne. We out, gang. Peace.